Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening and welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio and the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a board-certified integrated holistic health energy and sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 425,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. So today's question, listeners, is have you ever expected something and then been disappointed or upset because, well, you know, your expectation was not met? And I think we've all gone through that occasionally. Okay, maybe more than occasionally, I think. (laughs) I know I have, and I also know it can stop you dead in your tracks, taking you on a detour to whatever your quest. My guest, Ben Winter, certainly has not been idle in life. A couple of years out of college, and he started doing things and going places he never would have expected, from traveling to personal growth, to marriage and children, to divorce and parenthood, entrepreneurialism, and inspiring others. And Ben has flown an airplane on his own. He's been scuba diving in the Galapagos. He's seen animals of Tanzania and traveled all over Europe with a six-month-old child in tow, which to me is probably the scariest thing he has done. He performed improv for over a decade, acted in several plays, a movie, and has owned several businesses. His greatest passion, however, is exploring the mind. In all his personal growth work, the one constant was that it all stems from the mind. Between personal growth and improv, he found this really weird realm called expectations. And while most people would shy away from such a thing, he decided to tackle it head on. So along his journey, he decided that the only reason anyone gets upset is because an expectation hasn't been met. And he began teaching that in his success improv business. And from there, he noticed that there must be a way to use that upset feeling to fix the situation. So he created the amazing How to Stop Being Upset flowchart, and it is amazing. From there, it was a simple step to take everything that he explored on the subject and put it in a book called What to Expect When Having Expectations, and that is the topic for discussion today. So welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you so much for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being I am being well. It's it's really uh, that that guy Ben Winter you're talking about has led a pretty cool life, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. I, I have to say so too. <laughs> yeah. It's just so weird hearing it coming out of somebody else's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all true. <laughs> it is. And it is it very is. exciting. <laughs> and yeah. You know, and, and it's just, it, it is amazing. It really is amazing. But given the fact that you're a comedian, you know, that makes it, I don't know, to us, the, the listener, the observer, the witness of what, what's been going on as I read the book, it's hysterical. I, I laughed a lot. And your book, What to Expect When Having Expectations, is also very practical. It's honest. It's easy to understand. 
because you just put it all out there. You know, there's no fluff, no hidden agenda, just the facts. And it's a very quick read, too. I, I did, as I said, I found it funny and inspiring and thought-provoking and annoying simply because it's one of those rare, you know, you hit the nail on the head, you're talking about me, great books. So that was annoying, but that's okay. It worked. <laughs> and we can all stake a claim in the way we create and react to expectations throughout life. So, you know, given all that, what was the catalyst to writing this book? You know, you kind of you kind of said it where I basically have been teaching improv for kind of life skills and businesses and team building. And I, every time that I come across the rule of be specific, I, I talk about expectations and I talk about the fact that the only reason they go upset is because some, someone gets upset. And, you know, I didn't really feel like I was solving any problem. I was just pointing out an obvious. And, and so I said, well, I, I need to solve this. Like you, even if it's just for myself and that's where it just, it kind of grew from there of, okay, I'm upset, I had an expectation, let me explore this. And that's where, like you said, put the flowchart together, and then I realized during the flowchart process that there's a lot of depth behind every time the questions are answered with a no. You know, like, for example, if, if uh, you don't share the expectation with somebody else, you know, what's the fear there? There's a lot of fear behind sharing those expectations with others because what if they don't agree? And so that's where it really kind of, I, I just dove into this thing because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm upset all the time. Hell, I'm, I'm in traffic and traffic upsets me. So like, how do I solve this? And that's, that's how it went. It's really cool because you are aware, you are aware enough and cognizant enough to go deeper and realize what it was that was causing the frustrations. Most of us just, we don't think, well, I had an expectation. We just think the damn car's not started and I wanted to start now. I have to get going. <laughs> but we don't put it into the same, you know, f framework that you did. So kudos to you for recognizing it because it is, this book is funny. As I said, it's a quick read. It's really short. And, but it's so true. And you get so much out of it by reading it and laughing and nodding your head. I mean, we all have expectations about everything. You know, we expect the alarm to wake us up every morning have hot water, electricity, again, the car is going to start. Those are the expectations we take for granted and deal with relatively easily when they're not met, although, you know, you still get upset, but they can be annoying and stressful, and that's life. Stuff happens. We deal with it, maybe not happily, but we do move on relatively quickly. Those expectations, to me, are not the same as the conscious expectations we set. Like a good education, you'll get a good job or get married, have a family, and you'll live happily ever after. That's Disney. <laughs> That's not the real world. <laughs> you know, those are expectations of a higher magnitude, and they don't always work out. So those are the ones that can break us, though, right? Yeah, well, any expectation that's set, whether it's conscious or subconscious, there's the, the alternate battle inside your head, which is that your subconscious programming doesn't want to be wrong. And it's going to put up a fight because the subconscious doesn't know truth from fiction. It just knows what it knows. And so, you know, if you grow up believing the Disney fairy tale marriage and you don't get that when you're a grown up, well, there's your subconscious doesn't know that it was Disney. It doesn't know that it was fictional. It doesn't know that it was made up. It's just that's the decision you made of how it is. You know, you watch enough movies where people who just met fall in love and get married and it's like a two week time period 
And you grow up realizing two weeks isn't long enough to know anything about somebody. <laughs> You're not going to have anything. that same setup. And yeah, exactly. And so internally inside of our heads, whether we know it or not, we're having a battle all the time of wanting to be right. And we, you know, if we, if we consciously say we want something, we want to be right about what we want. And our subconscious might be fighting us to say, well, that's not what you want because this is, this is what you've decided over time without without even knowing it most likely but this is what you've decided over time so i get to be right and i'm the subconscious and that's my job is to be right all the time and so you have this internal battle and yeah it's it's it can be frustrating not getting what we want uh consciously (laughs) it's a very horrible battle that we have to all fight but it's it's built in for a very good reason because you know, most of us don't have to think about how to use a fork and knife when we eat. We don't have to think about tying our shoes. We don't have to think about walking down the street. Like, we just we don't have to think about a lot of different things, and that's because our subconscious takes care of it, and that serves us so, so well. It's just when our subconscious tries to serve us, of, you know, protecting ourselves from friends who hurt us when we want to make new friends. It doesn't quite work out the same way. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of the the things that the expectations we have were ingrained in us as children, you know, Um, even, you know, you go to college, you get a good education, you'll get a good job, life will be great. That's not always the way it works out. That is definitely not the way you can work, work, work and get. Go ahead. Yeah. And who who told us that that's how it's supposed to be? Obviously, the, the colleges and universities tell us that that's what's going to happen because they want our business. It's marketing. You know, they want people to enroll in their school. So, yeah, come to our school. You'll get an education. You'll graduate. You'll get a job, and you'll be successful. Okay, but that's marketing. Sure, join the Army. Your see parents, the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's marketing. You know, your parents, yeah. Yeah. if they went to college and they were educated and they got a good job and they were successful, you'll yeah, that's their view that college will make you successful. Um, If you're going to school, like elementary school and high school, and they're like, go to college, you'll get a better job. You know, there was a time in the world where you were guaranteed a pretty darn good job if you graduated college because so few people went to college. Now it's like, you go jump into a trade school, you're going to be making a lot more money, you know, in the four years that the other person's going to college. You know, things have kind of switched around. Um, if, they, yeah. if you're willing to put in four years learning how to be an electrician, you're going to spend the next, you know, 40, 50 years making a lot of money being an electrician um, because so many people are going to college. There's not, there's not enough light, white collar jobs anymore. <laughs> true. So it, yeah, it, it's, it's true. moved around. And people right now, a lot of people. They want what they want. They get out of college and they have to become a bartender or wait table or whatever, waiting for that job, that dream job, because the dream has been theirs for a long time, you know, getting the right education and doing what they need to do in order to get the job that they want. And it's kind of sad because then they they're totally downtrodden about everything falling apart and their life tends to fall apart at that point. And one of the things that you said in your book is that some people look at expectations as future resentments, which almost sounds like self-sabotage when you, if you look at expectations as future resentments. That's, that's well, yeah, not because, a good way to look at if, expectations. No, 
and it goes back to the subconscious where if, if you grew up hearing that expectations are future resentment, then setting a goal is setting future resentment because a goal is an expectation. A goal is right. I'm going to get this thing in the future. But if you're, if your subconscious says all expectations lead to resentment, well, yeah, you kind of shot yourself in the foot and it wasn't necessarily you. It's what you heard growing up. And so you kind of have to consciously make that choice every single time to like combat the old programming and move through to create this new programming that's stronger, better, faster. And it's, you know, for some people when they grow up and set goals and they always get goals, well, they don't, think about expectations being future resentment. They've grown up knowing that goals get you what you want. So they're, they're leaps, ahead, leaps and bounds ahead of where somebody who self-sabotages is. And, it, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of adults are like, well, crap, that's how I grew up. It's like, well, don't worry. There's, you know, you can, com- you can combat the old programming. It just takes a little bit more effort. Uh, it's, it's like those videos of, kids in a classroom where it's like the privileged get to be up front and they get to throw the piece of paper at the garbage can that's two feet away and the the people that uh, didn't grow up with the same uh, type of household and opportunities are standing in the back of the classroom everybody gets to throw their piece of paper towards the garbage can but who's more likely to get there quicker faster easier Uh, and so it's Mm. the same thing you know you still have the opportunity for something different you just might have to work a little harder at it, uh, especially if you know you want something different than what you're constantly getting. And it doesn't help that we see this in, that was a good example, you know, the privileged you see all the time getting what they want per se. And those who are working really hard can't help but see that, especially as children, it becomes the reality. And then you live with that. You live with that thinking, well, I'm not privileged. I wasn't born under a lucky star. I wasn't born into money. It's going to take a lot of effort. I saw my parents do this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, it becomes like an if-then statement that we tell ourselves. If if I were this, then this would happen. But we're not computers. And the if-then statement or the programs we run in our minds don't work the same way. And the worst of it is we keep following that program repeatedly, not even realizing we are, but we're expecting different results each time, which is the very definition of insanity. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, exactly. and then we perpetuate those beliefs by ingraining them into our children, generation after generation. So your book, if people look at it and realize, don't, you know, don't let, let the kids do what they want to do. I've seen so many people who are, you know, well, I want my kid to play soccer. What if your kid doesn't want to play soccer? What if your child wants to do something, wants ballet? You know, I mean, maybe they don't like soccer, but the expectation is for the child, I have to do this to please mom or dad. And that's really sad because that just sets up a whole pattern of what expectations do, but they don't realize it. And I think it sets up a world for them where they're going to live looking at expectations. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I mean, it goes right back to the whole college discussion and that how many kids go to college because their parents expect it of them. You know, there's plenty Mm -hmm. of kids out there that don't want to go to college. They want to be a plumber. They want to be an an electrician or they want to do something that doesn't require a college education. You know, I think had I known about entrepreneurialism as I know it today before college, I never would have gone to college. 
because college, mm. when I look back at my college experience, I, I can safely say there was nothing that happened in college that provided me the information I have today about being an entrepreneur, literally nothing. Um, it wasn't even the, the life experience outside of the classroom. It wasn't the classrooms themselves. I, I did not, and I, I choose to reflect very deeply on this because I don't want to like say it lightly, but I can clearly say college mm-hmm. did nothing for me. Like a lot of people go to college and that's the first time they learn how to cook. That's the first time they learn how to do their own laundry. Those are things that I knew how to do before I got to college. Um, you know, learning how to study is one thing. Yeah. I can't say that my college necessarily gave me that skill. I may have gotten that from the fact that I grew up with a dad who always wanted to be right. So I had to figure out how to always have the information so that I could always be right because otherwise my dad would outdo me all the time. And to this day, he's, you know, I can come, (laughs) you know, he hasn't even read my book and it's like, because he thinks he knows what it's about (laughs) and it's fine. I don't, I don't fault him. I just, I know that's, that's his programming is he always had to have the right information. And, and so the fact that he thinks he knows what my book is about, even if he doesn't, it is what it is. Um, but it, yeah, you know, how, how often do the parents put this on our kids of like, I want, you're going to go to college. I, I, you're living under my roof. These are my rules. You're going to college, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, no, if they don't want to, they don't need to. Um, now my son, he's saying he wants to be a professional lacrosse player. And the only way I know that people become professional lacrosse players is to play in college. And so in all likelihood, Ah. he will have to go to college to play. But I've tell, I'm telling him that I'm like, if this truly is what you want, then you need to get good grades in high school so that you can go to college and play lacrosse there. And then hopefully get drafted by one of the professional teams. And also, keep in mind that professional lacrosse players are not paid like professional football players, and most of them have a day job. So you do have to have that education <laughs> as well to pay for <laughs> the stuff that lacrosse does not pay for. So, you know, so I have, yeah. to, you know, I have to explain that to them, and, uh, and, and that's just how it goes. So I'm doing my best not to put it on him as that he has to go to college. I just am explaining situations to him of, well, if this is what you want, I could be wrong about it, but this is the information I know. And so, you know. If sure, he, you're if just giving him information based on advice, based on information you have currently. If that changes, you'll change because you're open. You learned that from yeah, your father. Exactly. You learned what not to be like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> so while we're talking about your son, what were you thinking traveling throughout Europe with a six-month-old in tow? And what were your expectations about that adventure? That really, I mean, that had to be one of the hardest things to do. I, I, I just, that just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, any adventure is going to be, you know, if you've never done it before, there's the only expectations you have are based off of, similar experiences and so um you know for the the grandest adventures like taking a child to to europe for you know it's not i have nothing to draw off of <laughs> so that's a baby that's not even a child it's a baby <laughs> yeah 
but you know what? There's there's one thing that I will say to anyone who's about to have a child, a baby. Until they're mobile, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you <just> True. <laughs> take them with you. Like that was the, that was the easiest part about going. Is like we just wrapped them up in the the Bjorn or whatever it was we were carrying with us or the wrapper. And we walked around and we did what we wanted to do. I mean, occasionally he would need to um, eat or be changed, but otherwise he just was checking out the world as we were. So it, it really was no different. <laughs> and honestly, we were treated like rock stars everywhere we went because we had this little baby with us. So <laughs> yeah, I bet it you wasn't were. Until, yeah. yeah, I bet I yeah, believe wasn't until, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the end of that trip, when he was mobile, it was like, oh, God, we need to go home. Because <laughs> he did not want to be Because by then he was walking. He wanted to be out. <laughs> well, practically, like, he, he went straight from not moving to spider walking. Like, he never used his knees on the ground, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he that was an adventure for. itself. Just, Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I yes, have to say, was. I laughed at that. I thought, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Oh, my God. That had to be hard. <laughs> oh, it my was, goodness. A, okay, so. A new adventure. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was truly and it was something you can talk about and, he, and you can tell your grandchildren about and, you know, and he doesn't remember a darn thing. But look at all the countries you've been to with your own little passport, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, you can say, yeah, I've been there and there. I don't remember any of it. I have no clue, but I've, I've been there. Uh, let's talk about uh, <laughs> regrets and expectations and taking that leap of faith. You know, regrets and expectations do have a lot to do with each other, but you don't really think of it that way, that regrets are unrealized expectations. So tell us about that. Yeah, so if – if you talk to somebody who's old, they, they're no longer really able to do anything, they're going to talk a lot about what they regret not doing in life. Um, and that's typically when you hear about it is, you know, maybe the opportunity has passed and you, and you no longer have that opportunity. I regret not saying yes. I regret not trying that. I regret not asking that person out on a date. I regret not taking that job when I was given, et cetera. You have regrets. And so the, the, in my book, the regrets really come down to you had this expectation that it would have been better had you taken it, had to take whatever the opportunity was. And so if you take that opportunity, then you're going to know whether it was the right move or not. You're going to know if it was something you enjoyed or not. Um, there's no way to go back and say, well, I didn't try, so I didn't know. Um, but if you do try it, if you do find, you know, like let's say we went to Europe with our, our six-month-old child and it was the worst decision we ever made, you know, I could say, yeah, I regret doing it because it was the, the wrong choice, but I, can, I would never be able to say, you know, I had this opportunity to go to Europe for an unknown amount of time uh, and I had my child, so I used him as an excuse not to go. You know, if I shared that story mm. and my son heard it all the time, he would think he was at fault for us not going on an adventure. Now, that's something he might right. make up about himself or whatever. But, you know, that's not something I want to put on him. It was not his choice. Um, but, right. you know, we made the decision to go. And so there's no regret there. Um, 
the regret might have been, well, we had all this money saved up and could have used it for buying a house. But no, we, we decided to go to Europe. Um, you know, I could regret it either way if I wanted to. But I also know at the end of life, what do people talk about? They talk about experiences. They don't talk about stuff. Like, oh, I right. can't let me tell you, I'm so glad I have this house. No, it's like, I'm so glad I went on that adventure. I'm so glad I said yes yeah. to doing something I've never thought I've been able to do before. You know, I went I went on a, a scuba diving trip in the Galapagos that I had no business going on. But you know what? I can I can talk about that adventure all day long and how scary and stupid it was, but I took the adventure. So I, there's no regret there. Uh, the regret would have been like, yeah, no, I had this opportunity to scuba dive in the Galapagos Island when I was, you know, 30 years old and I didn't go. And now I'm like 80 and regretting that I never went back and went scuba diving. No, I, I, I will never be able to regret that I went and did it. Um, so it, I, I just think people need to understand that if you're going to not do something, you have to realize it's a choice that you may regret that in the future. And you should expect to regret it in the future because you chose not to at that time. Um, and sometimes it's the right choice not to make, you know, to do something like, yeah, no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm not equipped for it. And I'm not going to regret not doing that because um, that was unsafe. And I definitely saw a bunch of red flags and I'm like, you know what, I'm glad I made the decision not to do it because so-and-so got hurt and it, it could have been a lot worse and whatever. Um, yeah. 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 I, <laughs> but unrealized, I, I think that that's, I mean, expectations, you know, going back to the word unrealized expectations, a lot of times we have those storybook stories of like, I'm going to have the house with the kid and the dog. And then you don't get those things. Is it really a bad thing? Because what if you chose other adventures? What if you chose experiences over stuff? You know, is it really a bad thing? No, especially the Galapagos. I mean, I read that and I thought, that is really cool. What a really neat thing to do, you know. Uh, it just <laughs> sounds so, I, I don't know, you know, out there because not everybody goes on vacation, goes to the Galapagos. And people are like, oh, I went to Disney. It's like, yeah, everybody goes to Disney. Or I went to the, the shore. Everybody <laughs> goes to the shore. Everybody goes here, there, and everywhere. But who goes to the Galapagos? That was very exciting. So that was a really cool one. And the other side of it is if you choose the experience, when you come back from the experience, you can always make money to buy the house. You can always come exactly. back and do something to get the other more stable thing, but you don't always get to have the experience. And then you're at the end of your life. And what are the experiences? If you can list them on one hand, that's sad. That's really sad yeah. because you didn't do enough you know, to make memories. Exactly. And you, you kind of spoke to something that I've always been passionate about saying, and I obviously never something that I've had to go through, but every now and then I'll see somebody like who's a junior in, in college and they're offered a, um, they're offered a draft pick in the NFL as a junior. Wow. And they're like, no, I wow. want to finish my senior year of college. And I'm like, you are a dumbass. Okay. First of all, go <laughs> be an NFL player. Because if you choose to be a senior at college and you get hurt, then you will regret never having been in the NFL, especially if you've worked yeah, that hard exactly. to be a junior in the draft. 
And you can always yeah. go back to school and get your degree. You can always you can go back at 80 and get your degree if you really want. But you know what you can't do at 80? What you can't do at almost 30 is be in the NFL. And so right. anytime that I hear of somebody who's a junior or sophomore, somebody who's getting drafted at a really young age for a major sport, I'm like, you go do that. You do not wait. You do not go another year to college. I don't care who's telling you otherwise. You are going to go and you're going to make more money in one year than you would like in 10 years right out of college. I don't, I have no idea, but, but that's the, that's the type of thing that I'm like, just, you can always go back and do the other thing. <laughs> well, yeah. In that These case, are once in a lifetime things. And, yeah. So if, if there is a once in a lifetime, you can only do this when you're young. Um, and the other thing is something you can always go back to, then do it. Absolutely do it. Uh, I'm not telling people to like take all your money, go on an adventure and then come back and start no. making your money again. No, but no. you know, if the opportunity came up for you to go on a grand adventure and it might set you back a few thousand dollars that you weren't expecting, but it's an opportunity that may not come along again, maybe you should because you can make that money back. Well, so will a broken furnace and you have to pay for that. You know, so will medical expenses yeah. and you have to pay for that. So you just treat it the same way and do it because you know if you're still capable of working, the money will come in and you start saving again. At least you have the memories. At least you have love shared, time shared with someone. Because when that time is up and it's over, you know what? Everybody's got regrets and resentment, a ton of resentment, you know. And that's, exactly. that's sad. That's really sad. You shouldn't have that at the, at the end of your life. Your life is meant to be lived in joy. Find the joy, give the joy. That doesn't mean blow all your money. These people that win the lottery and blow all the money on stupid material things instead of doing things that are worthwhile, it's really sad. But it's what they what they're choose to do. And other people that I see people who they don't make a lot of money, but they go on these great adventures. As you said, their vacations are so worthwhile. I know a teacher. She doesn't make a lot of money. She's a teacher. Let's face it, the teachers don't make enough money. And I can't remember what her husband does, but it's not a high-paying job. And they have a couple of kids, and they constantly are taking those kids on adventures from the time they were, you know, babies on planes. They had passports like your child, and they've gone to a million different places. They go, these kids go skiing at like one and a half. I'm like, they can barely walk, and they're on skis. They're doing better than me. You know? <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And, you know, they are really giving these kids the memories, the things that you need to have in life. And to experience life, that's what life is, to experience it, not just to let it go by, to watch it go by. That's sad. It's really sad. And I think those are the people that expectations, they, they're not unmet. The expectations are met because they do so much. You've learned that through your experience to not have expectations, or to ha you might have expectations, but you know how to meet them because of your experience, and you know how, if they're not met, to handle that. And there is a way to do that, to handle unmet expectations and what you need to do. And you go into that in your book as well. And one of the things before we get to that that I wanted to mention was about fear. You had talked about that a little bit ago. And fear itself is an expectation. Is it not? It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, worry and fear are expecting some bad outcome to happen. And you know, there, there can be some truth to that. And I'm going to take that back to the whole subconscious thought. If you, if you grew up where the bad thing always happens, 
like anytime you try and do something good, something bad happens, then you, unfortunately, you have this subconscious program that says, I can't do anything without something bad happening. And, and I don't know anybody that's like a hundred percent of the time, like that's the case. It's like, but you know, I grew up in a household where it was like, my mom would worry about the worst case scenario all the time. Like it didn't matter what mm-hmm. we did as kids. Like she worried about the worst case scenario, which is always like bloody, broken, death, <laughs> kidnapping, you know, all the, all the stuff that you don't want to ever have happen to a kid. And so yep. Fortunately, I grew up with the, like, ignore her, she's crazy, and I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> you and I have the same mother. <laughs> yeah. But I also understand, like, I, I've had those same thoughts in my life as well. And so I've had to push them back and say, you know what? Never once has my mom been right about those worries. Never once have I been right about those worries. So mm. why continue having them? There's no reason to have them. They're never, they're never right. They're never accurate. Um, so luckily it was the program of just having them and not having them come true. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but going back to fear, like if you're afraid of, like, let's say you're, you have the opportunity to go scuba diving in a place that most people don't get to go scuba diving and you choose not to because of a fear. Well, your fear is, I mean, whatever the fear is, like I'm going to die if I go scuba diving. Um, which is probably not accurate. You know, if you just look at statistics and the number of people that scuba dive every year and the number of deaths from scuba diving and et cetera, et cetera, you're probably fine, especially if you've taken classes and you're certified to do so. Um, But you're choosing not to do it because of this fear, then later that is going to be a regret later in life. I had this opportunity. I didn't take it. Um, so fears really do stop us from getting what we want. They really stop us from experiencing life. And um, it's, it's an unreasonable expectation and, at the end of the day because you don't know the outcome. You don't know if that fear is real. And most of the time, you hear tons of stories about people overcoming their fear and, and doing it anyway, and they were so grateful they did because most of the time our fears don't become reality. Yeah, I think I that's mean, who, very true. So many people that yeah, so many people have stage fright. They don't want to get up on stage, but I've never I, I can't say that it's never happened, but I don't know of any stories where somebody got up on stage and literally died or peed their pants. <laughs> yeah, I like, don't I've either. Never, <laughs> there'd be plenty of YouTube videos at this point if people got up on stage because they were afraid of being on stage and peed their pants or, you know, pass. well, some people do pass out. But I've never seen anybody die or pee their pants on stage. And it's like the fears we have around public speaking are kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's higher than death. People are more afraid to public speak than to, you know, they're more fearful of that than they are of death, which is – Crazy, because nobody has ever died of stage fright, as you said, you know. And once you get up there, if you start talking and you realize people's attention is on you and they're really listening, you kind of get into it. You, you really want mm, to you know you've got them. You know when you've got your audience and you know when you don't. And we all flop at some point, but you know when you have your audience and it's a really good feeling. And that's when you have your best performances. And if I can call it that, it's true, you know. Um, even teaching, I teach at the STEM programs in uh, – in colleges as part of the STEM program, I teach the science part. And I have to tell you, sometimes the kids just don't care. (laughs) 
there are other times that they're really into it. Those are the ones I really enjoy, you know. But I, I, I don't die of stage fright just because the kids don't care. You know, usually I can I can talk them into it after a while. <laughs> it just takes extra work. But yeah, I think that's that's a big one is fear. The other one is boundaries. They are huge. And when it comes to expectations, and I see and hear this all the time with my patients, most especially my female patients. So I'm really sorry about this, ladies, but the majority of you are truly horrible at setting boundaries, and you find it so difficult to say the word no. And, and I'm going to reiterate what I say on this show so often. No is a complete sentence that does not require any further explanation. So stop at the end of the sentence and just say no. And boundaries create a lot of expectations in people when someone asks you something and you don't want it. One of the expectations is that you think that people are expecting you to give a reason. When people ask me to do something and I choose not to, I'll just say no. And then, so, and they look at me like, are you going to speak further? And no, it's a complete sentence. I'm not going to say anything else. No, no does it for me. It's, it's, that's it. It's really nobody's business why you're saying no. You don't need to give an explanation, but people expect it. So sometimes the expectation that, we have is that they're expecting an answer and it's true they are but boundaries are are difficult probably for men to set as well but I I really think it's harder for women and I'm not I'm not saying it because I am a woman I'm saying it because the majority of times women have a problem saying no without giving an explanation so what's what's the deal on boundaries with expect expectations in relationship to your book because you do speak on it yeah, so expectations and boundaries are, are kind of the same thing in that you're, especially if you're studying them out loud for other people to hear. Um, so when you say, like, I, you know, I'm not going to speak to to women and their, their particular boundaries, but I'll speak to some general uh, topics. So when I set yep. a meeting with somebody, um, I'm basically saying I expect you to be there at the time that we set, the time and location. Yep. Um, that's why I'm setting a meeting. I'm going to be there. And if I'm not, then I, you know, I did something stupid and that was on me and I will make up for it however I can. Um, but if, mm-hmm. if that person doesn't communicate with me saying I'm running late and then they're late, well, I've, I've already lost kind of some respect for that person. If they've, they've crossed a boundary as, in a manner of speaking, um, because the boundary mm-hmm. is basically like, if, if I were to extend that longer, um, basically say, hey, we're meeting at 5 o'clock at this location, and if you're not there by 5.15, I'm out of there. And I've kind of dropped mm-hmm. that down to like 10 minutes late. I'm like, 10 minutes? If you haven't called me and told me why you're running 10 minutes late, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not wasting my time. Um, but I'm setting yep. a boundary saying like, hey, I'm going to be there at 5. I will probably be there before 5 because that's how I operate. And if you're not there by 5, 10, yep. I'm leaving, and we can reschedule or figure something else out or whatever it might be. So I've set the boundary, saying this is – boundaries are kind of setting the expectation and the consequence for breaking that expectation. So it's kind of – it's a good thing because you know um, and, you're, and you're telling the other person what to expect if the expectation goes unmet. Um, and that's the beauty of a boundary is that you, you know the expectation – you know the consequence of that expectation. Um, it's when we have boundaries that we don't tell other people uh, that we start getting really annoyed and upset with them when they start breaking those boundaries. Like, um, 
you know, let's say we have neighbors that decide on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. it's okay to start mowing the yard. You know, that's oh, kind God, of like yeah. rude. <laughs> that's rude. Straight up rude. But have that's you shared rude. with your neighbor, like, yeah. hey, at Saturday mornings, I sleep in. Could you wait, please, to do your lawn? Now, they may have a very specific time constraint, and that's the only time they can do it, but then you're having a conversation about it. And you're understanding both right. sides of the equation. You can come to an agreement. Um, and maybe it's they have to, you, you go in and help them with a service that comes later in the day or later, different time of the week. I don't know. Um, neighbors do strange things. But you're setting that boundary and you're, you're getting clarification on their expectations. Because, you know, just setting your own expectation with somebody else that's involved isn't it's not a one-way street you have to know their expectations right you have to come to an agreement you have to negotiate you have to be on the same page otherwise it's not a set expectation it's just your expectation and the other person might have a completely different one you know if we take any legal document into account that is written expectations with consequences and everything laid out if you read it, and let's just say you understand legalese, which I know is hard for most people, mm-hmm. that is an expectation, boundary setting, consequence setting, document in full. Like it's, it's all there. And trust me, if, if something's missed in that iteration and it comes up, they will fix it in the next iteration. Because lawyers do not want to leave any room for speculation and the documents that they create and have people sign. Um, when you buy a house, you know exactly what's happening during that transaction because they put it in lots of, there's lots of pieces of paper that you have to go through and understand and sign when you're buying a house. Um, and that's just, that's expectations. That's boundaries. That's understanding where you stand and where the other person stands. Uh, so when we set personal boundaries, we have to have a conversation with the, the other people around me. Otherwise, it's not about me. It's not an expert. It's, it's hidden. It's unknown by everybody else. So, of course, people are going to walk right past your boundary line because you never said anything. Now, if you say something right. and they cross that boundary, that's a whole different expectation that you had is that you're expecting them to respect your boundary. And if they're not choosing to respect your boundary, then you have to have that conversation with yourself of, do I want this person around me? Do I want them in my life? If they're not going to respect me and my boundaries, what's the point of having them around? And then you can dive into more expectations of, well, I don't expect to find anybody better, so I have to keep them around. Well, no, they're going to keep walking over your boundaries, which isn't healthy. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anytime you understand one expectation and where it's coming from, I guarantee you're going to find 10 more just lined up right behind it. (laughs) Well, that's why your flow chart is a great way to keep expectations in check. It, it does that. It it brings up the expectations, you know, and, and I loved that you actually, you know, I'm, I'm a very logical person, and so I love the flow chart. I'm like, oh, I like this. This is really good because it gives you something to work with. So how did you come up with this flow chart? Were you just, like, figuring things out and writing them down and realized, oh, my gosh, this is like a flow chart, and it could easily go from one way to the other because it really is designed quite well? Yeah, it was one of those things where I took the, the moment in time when you're upset because I'm like, that's, that's the trigger point. 
you know you're upset. You're aware enough yep. to know that you're upset. And this is an opportunity for me to do something different. So I'm like, that's a great trigger point. I'm like, I tell people it's fine. Get upset because as long as you don't stay there and you understand what it is for what it is, you can do something different with your life and you can choose to be happy. Um, it might take a little bit of effort and practice to get there, but it's, it's something you can use in life. And so I sat down with it and I just, I, I had a big whiteboard set up and I'm like, okay, you're upset. What's the first thing that we can do with this? Or what, what can I do with this if I'm upset? Well, if it's an expectation being unmet, like, maybe it's that I have to ask myself, did I even know I had the expectation? And I think for most people and most of the time, we don't know that we had the expectation until it goes unmet. Like if you wake up in right. the morning and your alarm clock didn't go off, you're not upset until you realize that your alarm clock didn't go off, which is then a moment in time saying, I had an expectation that my alarm clock would go off. So why didn't it? You know, mm -hmm. right? Um, we expect our electricity to be running in the morning. We, if we wake up and it's, it's on, we don't think twice about it. But if it's off, we're upset. And guess what? There was an expectation you had that was there. So anyway, most of the time we don't realize we had the expectation until, until it's unmet. And right there is an opportunity to just stop and think, like, where is this expectation coming from? Why do I have it? Is it something that my mom always said or my dad always said? Like, did I get it from my childhood? Did I get it from a movie I watched 26 times when I was a kid? You know, whatever it might be, sometimes we have expectations that came, typically they come from our childhood. Uh, and then mm -hmm. right there is an opportunity to just stop dead in your tracks and say, wow, okay, I didn't even know I had this expectation. So why be upset when I now have this new information that I can look at? But, you know, that's that's kind of the advanced version. <laughs> because if you didn't know you had the expectation, you really do have to explore it and decide if it's one of those things you want to keep around in your life. Because um, if it doesn't serve you and it's not giving you what you want, you gotta you got to start doing something different. Um, if you did know you had the expectation, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, is, is it something that's reasonable? Like, is it a reasonable mm -hmm. expectation? I always use traffic as an example. Now, is it reasonable for me to expect that everybody driving on the road at the same time is going to be doing the exact same thing that they should be? Uh, no. <laughs> you know, I, I have to remind myself, there are times where I'll have something really fragile in the back seat or I'm taking a crock pot full of food to a potluck or something, and I'm driving super careful because I don't want it to spill. And right. something as stupid as that will cause people to freak out about, like, you're driving slow, you know, they're yelling at each other, but we don't know why. Maybe the person's trying to get home, and if they take a sharp turn, they're just going to vomit everywhere, and, and they're just having the worst day ever. We, we don't know why people drive the way they drive. We hope that they're yeah. on the road in good, healthy order, and that they took the same driving test and they understand the laws the same way. But that's not reasonable. It's not in any way, no. shape, or form. There's too many people on the road. And there's no way for us to have a conversation with everybody on the road. And there's no way for us to all come to the same agreement because even though the laws are the laws and we all took the same test and we all had to pass it, the interpretation of those laws is not always the same. And so it is completely unreasonable for me to be upset at traffic when I can't talk to the other people. I can't get them all on the same page. We're not all going to stop and have a meeting in the middle of the highway and then figure it out. It's just not a thing. So instead of being <laughs> upset the entire time I'm driving, 
I'm upset for about 10 seconds. And then I'm like, oh, and you know, you know this, you know, not, you know, not to be upset at traffic. And then I, I move on. Um, but other things in life, you know, if it is reasonable, then you have to ask, like, have you shared that expectation with somebody, with the other people involved? Uh, you know, most of the time there's other people involved in our expectations. You know, if we're in a loving, caring relationship, we kind of expect them to read our minds and they can't. <laughs> so, so when right. we ask our loved ones to do something, we have to understand that either we need to be way more specific in what we're asking and make sure they have buy-in on what we're wanting from them, or we have to really get down to what are their expectations on the subject. Because maybe they have a different time frame involved. Maybe they have a different level of completion of a task in mind. Uh, you know, one person's view of a clean bathroom is different than the other person's view of a clean bathroom. Um, so if you say, mm-hmm. like, go clean the bathroom and, and the other person does it, but they don't do it to the standard or the expectation that you had of the, of the bathroom being clean, well, guess what? You're going to be upset about it. But if you understand that their version of a clean bathroom is different than your version of a clean bathroom, well, you're going to come to some conclusion. And either you're going to discuss, like, what exactly does a clean bathroom mean and get on the same page, or you're going to do it together so that it's done, I don't, whatever. <laughs> like, you have to have those conversations. Uh, and so that's where, like, a lot of the no's would come in. Like, have you shared that expectation? No, I haven't shared that expectation. Well, if you haven't shared the expectation, how can you possibly be upset at the other person? They didn't even know about it. And so if they didn't know about the expectation, then they're not going to meet it. And so you can't be upset with them. And if you're not going to share it with them, then you have a fear of, of not sharing it with them. And then, which is an expectation, like, if I share it with them, they're going to leave me. So why share it? But that's an expectation that they're going to leave. But have you shared that expectation? Like, hey, honey, if I share my thoughts and feelings about this, about sex, let's just say like sex or money, those are the two big ones. You know, if I share my expectations about sex, are you going to run away? Well, no, I, I want to hear your expectations about sex. Hey, if I share my expectations about money and how we spend it, are you going to run? Well, no, I want to know how you want to spend money. Maybe it might actually open up to a better, healthier relationship by sharing. But how often are we mm. afraid to share and because we're afraid of losing something rather than gaining something? And I always say, like, if you're in a, relation, a committed relationship with somebody who's going to run because you're sharing thoughts and feelings and desires and wants, that wasn't a healthy relationship to begin with. Um, and, and you should look at that more than anything else. Um, but I personally think that if, if we share what we want in a relationship, that relationship only gets stronger. And, it's, and just sharing yes. it doesn't mean it's going to be the norm. It means you're now having a discussion. You're coming to an agreement. You're negotiating. Because what if one person wants to spend all the money on vacations and experiences and the other one wants to save for future experiences? and adventures well maybe you do both and you find a way to do both um, and maybe you understand the the desires behind each person of you know what my family all my family died before retirement age so i want to live life now because i don't know if i'm going to live past retirement age okay well that opens a whole different conversation of like well let's mm-hmm. make sure your health is there 
that you do live into retirement age, but I also see your point. So maybe we do have experiences, but not as many, and we save the other half, and hopefully you will live that long, and so on and so forth. Right, but and healthfully, because you don't know what life's going to throw at you. Exactly. Um, and I, yeah. I'm one that wholeheartedly likes the idea of take many retirement adventures throughout life because there is no guarantee you'll live to, to retire mm-hmm. and use all of your savings then. There's no guarantee you won't either unless you choose to make that a reality, which I don't recommend or suggest. But, right. <laughs> but that's the thing is like you don't know if you're going to live to be 100. You don't know if you're going to die before you're 70. Like you don't know. So should you save in hopes that you're going to live to be 100 or should you enjoy life and be screwed in having to be the Walmart greeter who's sitting in a wheelchair and that's all you can do because you spent all your money? I think there's a fine line in the middle somewhere where you have, where you're able to enjoy life and live comfortably when you retire. Um, but yeah, as, a balance. As, a, as, as a person, yeah, it's balanced. But if you're in a relationship balance, where you know? one person only wants one, you have to have that conversation. And it's scary because you don't know how they're going to react until you have that conversation. Yeah, but that's part of being in a relationship with someone is growing together and learning that and, you know, and listening to it and, and not making promises and then not, you know, making promises and not keeping them. And, you know, you don't know how health is going to be on any person, if they're going to get through health issues, how are they going to travel if they want to. It's, it's a big gamble. Sometimes you just have to do what you can because you have the money now to do it. And you also can afford the mortgage and there's going to be food on the table and everybody's going to be comfortable and living in a house that has heat and electricity. And okay, so you might be scrunching a little bit, you know, but you're not looking at anything outrageous. You do have to take those breaks. It, it's for your health. It's absolutely for your health and for the betterment of the entire family, everybody involved. Um, I liked what you said about being upset, using it, and letting it transform you. And that's part of it, too, to be upset. Use it. Let it transform you so that you get rid of that fear and you can have those conversations. And I think my favorite thing was when you were talking about, and I had to laugh at this because this is where you nailed it with me. You talked about being upset when you're working on yourself. And you said that, in fact, it probably happens more often because you expect to be less upset by doing personal work growth growth work. And then when you don't magically change quickly, you get upset because it, it shouldn't be so hard, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. that's so true. How many times have I been there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we all go in. That was a good like, one. Once we find out about this, yeah, once we find out about this wonderful thing called personal growth, which by the way is just awareness training, because as soon as you're aware right. of what's going on, you can choose something different. But we expect that magic wand with personal growth. I was there once. I expected the magic wand. I'm like, I took this class. Everything should be perfect now. Ah, crap, it's not, right? It's practice. You have to practice over and 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 over until you're dead, period. And, you know, sometimes, like I said, if you're used to driving and you're pissed off for an hour, but you can get that down to 10 seconds, well, guess what? Your, your life is that much happier. And driving is just one example of practicing. Like if you practice setting those boundaries, it gets easier over time. If you get, if you get better at sharing what you want in a relationship, you're going to get better with sharing it over time. It's, it's a practice. Personal growth is a practice. You're never going to be perfect, 
you're always striving for it and you're going to have some wonderful times along the way as long as you give yourself a break and practice on a regular basis. Yeah. And I love the other, the, the final thing in your book is a bunch of an appendix of examples. So that's a great help <laughs> in providing guidance and, and ways we can practice being aware of the expectations we have and then letting them go. Uh, you know, you got everything from religion, life with a roommate to science and raises and work and politics and sex and driving, which by the way, I am with you on that wholeheartedly. That, <laughs> that drives me crazy, <laughs> you know? And so I've learned to just say, you know, Oh, God bless you. I hope you get wherever you need to quickly, you know, and, and safely because, and not hurting anyone because my gosh, you know, you're obviously this person's a road rage person behind me and I don't want to deal with it. So, <laughs> I can't believe we're at the uh, that, that's a great little help in the back of the book. Your book is great. As I said, it's very it's a very quick read, but it's so succinct and it's got so much in it. And it is funny. I mean, I laughed. I laughed a lot. And, uh, you know, because it's just so true. You learn a lot just through that. You know, laughter is the best medicine. So we are learning from that as well. It's we are at the top of the hour. Ben, do you have any final thoughts? And also, would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and your work and where they can purchase your book? What to expect when having expectations? Yeah, so I just want to remind people that if everybody else is telling you that you shouldn't be upset and, and don't get upset, I'm going to be the opposite and say, go ahead and be upset. Just don't stay there mm -hmm. and choose to do something with it. Um, and then in terms of finding more information, just go to havingexpectations.com and you can find links to the book. You can download the flowchart we've been talking about this whole time and uh, enjoy, enjoy your life just a little bit more. And you also, I think, you have another website, successimprov.com. Is that correct? Yeah. So that is the the biz or the team building company that I have that I teach improv and the tools and techniques of improv and how to use those in uh, everyday life. Which I think is really cool, especially if you're doing corporate work, um, you know, to get teams to – it's a lot easier when you have teams working together than when you have teams – that that aren't really getting along <laughs> it's nice to have a real team exactly. you, you know so check both of those websites out thank you ben so much i really appreciate your being here and taking the time to join us this hour went by very very quickly and i appreciate all of your time and effort in uh in making this happen it was wonderful um if you would just stay on the line and i'll talk with you in a few minutes is that okay sounds good Great. Thank you. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a most challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So please send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me and my work or to schedule a remote energy therapy session of your choice, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Also, please, out, please check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. Every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need, 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, no stipends, no compensation of any kind to anyone. Every penny goes toward meals, coats, health care, whatever is needed, so all children have a chance for a good life. 
At Soji Huggles, we are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So thank you for taking time to visit our website, SojiHuggles.org. And please follow us on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. While you're in your social media accounts, please be sure to like us on Facebook, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.